All right, tonight we are continuing our study in the beginning of um, civilization. We're, we're in the book of Genesis. Uh, we're talking about the beginning of civilization. We've been looking at several different things uh, as we've gone along. We looked at the creation. Of course, we spent a little bit of time with that. We, we looked at the days of creation, uh, the work of creation. Uh, we looked at the creation of, uh, of man as well, what our purpose and uh, what our design is uh, here on earth. And, uh, and now we come down, we're looking at the first uh, marriage. And uh, this is something that I, I think will be a, a great study for us tonight. First marriage, we're in Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 18 through 25, if you want to go ahead and uh, be looking there. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to all the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh." And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We'll go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the study that we're able to have tonight. God, I pray that you'd be with us as we look into your word. And help me, Lord, I know that I'm not uh, worthy to, uh, to preach your word uh, or, or to even speak of your name, but I thank you for the privilege that you've given me to, uh, to teach tonight. I pray that you would just guide and direct every word that I say um, please be with the Word as it goes forth as well, the truths that we'll be finding from the Word, and uh, help it to touch our hearts and uh, to make us uh, cherish those of us who are married, uh, those that, that may be um, you know, married in the future. Help us to, uh, to cherish our, our wives, our, our spouses, uh, even more than we already do. Thank you so much for every blessing. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. We've been studying Adam, uh, as I said, we've, we've looked at his creation, his purpose, and his responsibility. We've been going over that last couple of uh, Wednesday nights. We find Adam in these verses taking care of his duties. Uh, God is bringing all the animals uh, to Adam, and he was given the privilege of naming all the different animals. It even says that whatever he called the animals, that was their name. And so, you know, of course, many of the animals that... Uh, we, you know, the names that we have for the different animals now uh, may still be a direct result of what Adam originally named them in the beginning. Yet as pointed out, after every creature was inspected and named, uh, there was no one on earth like Adam. And, uh, you know, that, that must have been a very uh, lonely uh, and maybe in a way a little uh, saddening for him as well, uh, all these Animals were marched by, you know, he, he looked at each one, he decided what each one's name was going to be, but after all the living species were, were brought before him, 
when the last one came by, there was not one found that was like him, not, not one that he w- would be compatible with, not one that, uh, you know, that he could share a conversation with or, or have, a, have a relationship with. And so, uh, you know, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, now, man had God, he had his responsibilities, but like I said, there was no one to share this life with him. So God said it's not good for man to be alone, and he decided to make a help meet for him. She was called woman, and later we know that she became Adam's wife. In this lesson, we're going to focus on the term help meet, and we'll hopefully come to a deeper understanding of what it means uh, for men and for women, especially in the relationship of marriage. So that's going to be our focus tonight. Everything that we look at uh, in these verses is going to be from the angle of that help beat that's talked about there in verse 18. Now, the first thing that we find about this help meet is that she is to be a helper to him. We find that in verses 18 through 20. Now, there's really no way of getting around of what this means. As we read there in verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a help meet for him. Now, we could try to explain away what the word help means there, uh, but really just uh, literally what it means is that woman was to be a helper or an assistant to the man. Do I hear the amens from that? Uh, a few of them, right? <laughs> All right. However, saying, having said that, this is in no way derogatory towards the woman, nor does it diminish her importance at all. You see, really what, is, what it comes down to is that Adam had a great responsibility, and he couldn't handle it alone. If Adam was the only human being here on the earth, if man was the only one here on the earth, uh, there is no way he would be able to take care of, of all the responsibilities that God had given him. And so he needed someone. He needed help. He needed an assistant. Uh, someone to be there with him and uh, to strengthen him and encourage him and to do all those things. And so God decided that he would make uh, a help me. He would make woman for the man. Now, there are many things in this world that just need a woman's touch. I'm sure I can get an amen on that one, right? Many things that, that need a woman's touch. Can you imagine what the world would be like without women? Now just think about, let that sink in for a second, just thinking about that. What would, what would the world be like without women, if it was just filled with men? I think about Adam, uh, you know, there while he was by himself. Uh, you know, maybe after he got through naming all the animals and, you know, maybe doing some maintenance there in the garden and things like that, he worked up an appetite, so he finds a rock and he goes and sits down and he says, I'm hungry, now what do I do? Right? <laughs> How many of you wives ever left your husband at home? What, what's he going to do when he gets hungry? Do what? You're right. He's going to go out to eat. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, they, and, and some men, they really, you know, sometimes, I'm, I'm not kidding now, Nikki has been gone, and, uh, and I'll, I'll be getting hungry, and I'll just be walking around the kitchen. You know, just, just wandering around, looking in the refrigerator, looking in the cabinets, and I'm just thinking, what am I going to do? You know, there's nobody to feed me. And, uh, you know, so you think about that. I mean, we really, if, if it were not for women, men would not have lasted very long here on the earth, would we? Uh, you think about this as well. How many of your wives have left your husband's home for a little bit? You get back to the house, what does the house look like? Don't look good, does it? 
<laughs> Why? Because, you know, men, we don't care. We'll wear the same clothes for six or seven days in a row, right? I mean, it, it don't matter to us. If, if we didn't have you around, I mean, we'd just wear one thing all the time. It wouldn't matter to us one bit. Uh, we'd throw things around. We, don't, we wouldn't worry about washing dishes. We'd just slap it back on there and eat it again, right? I mean, you know, without women, uh, you know, men really, they really need that woman's touch uh, there in their lives. And God knew that. No wonder God said it's not good for man to be alone. He knew what would happen if he left us here by ourselves. And uh, so he said it's not good, not good for man to be alone. If you'll notice, uh, out of all the things in creation, uh, God said everything, to everything that he created, he said it is good. We've, we've talked about that a couple times. Every time when he finished something, he said it is good. It was good. And at the very end it says, and he looked at everything that he created, and it says, he said, and it is very good. The only thing, the only time that, that God ever said it's not good is in this instance when he said it's not good for man to be alone. For obvious reasons, the Lord did not choose to make another man. He made a woman, and she would be capable of helping uh, her husband in every aspect of life. Now, the fact that woman is man's helper is not as much centered around her being his assistant as it is uh, her being his partner and, and friend in life. And if you remember, as we're looking through the Scriptures, the reason why God said, uh, I will make a helpmeet or I will make woman for man is because he looked at man and he said, it's not good for him to be alone. And I know we, we talked about what it would be, you know, what the world would be like without uh, women and, and things like that, but really uh, what it came down to, it wasn't good for man to be alone. Listen, we were made for relationship. We were made for friendship. We were made for uh, connections. Uh, we were, you know, there's nobody in this world that doesn't need somebody else. We, we all need uh, other people. And, and God knew that it was not good. Uh, Adam had looked all over it, and there were, there were all these different animals. There was nobody, no person, no physical being here on earth for him to connect with, for him to talk to, to communicate with, and, and all those different things. And so he said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a help me for him, one uh, you know, that he can share this life with, one that he can talk to, uh, one to be his partner and friend, as we said here. Listen, there are many kinds of close relationships that we will share in this life, but none of them reach the depth and closeness and intimacy that marriage does. And when I say intimacy, of course, I'm not talking about anything sensual. I'm just talking about the fact that, uh, you know, how close we're able to be to each other. You know, uh, when I think about my children, I can't put a measurement on how much I love my children. I mean, I just can't. I, I can't think, I, I can't find a, a bar and say, okay, well, I love them up to here. I mean, it's just, for me, it's just an infinite love for them. And when I think about Nikki, I mean, it's the same way with her. I mean, I, I can't put a measurement, uh, you know, on, on how much I love Nikki. I, I love all of them. Uh, you know, I love them equally, and it's just as much as I could possibly do, you know. And um, so when I think about that, you know, I, I love my children. I, I want to have a great relationship with my children through their entire lives. I have a great relationship with my dad. We talk all the time. We're, we're very close to each other, and uh, I'm very close to Josh. I'm very close to Kylie and Taylor, and I want us always to have a, a great relationship, a close relationship, but I know 
that even though we may always remain close throughout our lives, eventually they're going to get older and they're going to find husbands or they're going to, you know, Josh is going to find a wife and they're going to be joined with their husband or wife and, uh, and I'll still be in the picture, but, but they're going to have a relationship with them that they never had with me. You know, and so the thing is, is even though I love my children so much, and I, I'm always going to be close to them, and I have other family and friends, and and I can't put measurements on how much I love them either. But the relationship that I have with my wife is something that I'll never share with anybody else. Right. Something I'll never have with another living human being, and that's how it was supposed to be. You know, I can't imagine, cannot imagine, what what what, what it would be like without her really can. I know some people have had to deal with that, and my heart really goes out. I hope you know, I never have to deal with that. A man doesn't just need his wife because she helps run the house or helps take care of the kids. A man needs his wife. And that's true about me. And I know Nikki's not in here, so I can say all this kind of stuff, but um, you know, I know I pick on Nikki a lot, and we tease back and forth, and uh, I know I pick on her from the pulpit quite a bit. I give her a hard time, um, but I love that woman, and, and I need I need her in my life. I mean, she is she's so special to me. She is uh, she's my best friend, best friend in the world. There's nobody that I'm closer to, and and uh, never will be. A man needs his wife, and so what I'm saying is that there is a mental, physical, and spiritual connection between husband and wife. Uh, that is like no other uh, found on earth. The second thing I want us to talk about this woman, when it talks about her being a, uh, a helpmate for him, means that she is a creature that is like him. Um, now, I understand I'm not calling her a creature. I'm saying that she is created like Adam, though. She's a creature like him. Uh, as we found, you know, it says that Adam, when he looked around, there was, there was no other like him, and then God made one. Uh, we find that in verses 21 through 22. Now it says in verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now let me ask you, what does it mean that the woman was a helpmeet for him? Any thoughts on what it means to be a helpmeet to the man? Help in all ways. To help in all ways, Okay. An indif- indispensable companion? Okay, great, great. To encourage him. Encourage. Mm-hmm. All right, any others? Well, you know, I'll have to admit that uh, for years reading this, and I actually, I never really caught on to this until I was studying for this particular lesson, um, but as I was reading through I've always just thought that help me was just the old way of saying help me. I didn't know really what that was, you know. And, uh, and so I thought it meant that he made a helpmate for her. So she was just somebody that, you know, was just there with him, helped in all ways, did all those kinds of things. Uh, you know, and so for all this time, I've been thinking that that helpmate, uh, like I said, was just an old English uh, word for that. But uh, I found that it's something actually quite different. And I hope you've noticed that I've done this, but I separated the word help from the word meet. Uh, in the first little point that we looked at there, uh, we, we talked about the fact that she was made as a, a helper for the man. But now we're going to focus on that word me, and we're going to see what it means. 
The word meat, uh, here found in the King James Version, is an old English word that means suitable, fitting, or proper. Now, I'll give you another instance of when this word was used, and there are several in the Bible, but another instance uh, that we're all probably aware of is when uh, John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist uh, was baptizing over the Jordan River, and some of the Pharisees came to him, and they were also seeking to be baptized. And if you remember what he said uh, to the, the Pharisees, he says, he says, first, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. Uh, the word meat, meaning uh, that, that there are works that are suitable or fitting uh, to, to show that you actually have repented. And, and that's what that word meat means. So when it says that she was made a help meet for him, really what it's saying is that she was a, a helper that was suitable for him. Someone that would fit his life exactly how uh, he needed to. Now the Hebrew word for meat means that which corresponds now there's another just English translation or English uh, definition, excuse me, that we can look at there. The word correspond, just looking in the English dictionary, says uh, it means identical in all essentials or respects, similar in position, purpose, form, and all of those things. And so when we think about the woman, uh, even though of course there are natural differences between the man and the woman, uh, essentially she is like the man in all respects. She is similar in her position in her purpose, in her form. Uh, she too was made in the image of God. Uh, you know, she too was made for the purpose of reflecting His image and representing His uh, likeness and all those different things. And, uh, and, and so she was made as, as someone which would correspond to Him or, or compare to Him. Actually, the New King James Version translates uh, verse 18 like this. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper comparable to him. It means exactly the same thing as what the King James Version says. It just puts it uh, in a way that uh, it makes a little bit more sense in our language. He says, I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so that's what I want us to focus on, the fact that she was, she was someone that was comparable to him. She was a preacher like Adam was. The woman would be different in, in, uh, from the man in many ways, but she would essentially be like him as well. She too, as, as we said, would be made in both the image of God and also made by the hands of God. Um, verse 19, uh, if we look there at verses 19, and I think also part 20 as well, verses 19 and 20 uh, seem to be out of place. You know, we, we're reading about the woman, reading about her creation. Uh, we're looking in verse 18 and it says, you know, God says it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helpmate for him. We get down a little bit further and we see how he creates the woman. But then just there in verse 19 it says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature was the name thereof. And we look at that verse and we wonder, what does this have to do with the creation of the woman? You know, how does this fit into that? And as I, as I read through scriptures, a lot of times if, if I find something that just, just seems to be out of place or something like that, I'll, I'll go and I'll try to look and see how it fits in to what's going on. Well, God wasn't just inserting a thought there, but everything that he says there in verses 19 and 20 all point towards the fact that man needed someone that was comparable to him. Every other living creature had, had something like that, except Adam. 
And so after he looked at all those different creatures, there was, there was not found a help me for him at the end of verse 20. And so we find that a woman would be the one uh, that would be comparable to him. When we go back and we think about this, uh, that she would be made in the image and by the hands of God. You know, um, something that's very, uh, I guess, important for us to realize, when we think about uh, the creation of Adam, the creation of man, you know, we always talk about how that God spoke every other living thing into existence, but then he uh, literally formed man with, with his own hands, breathed into his, uh, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. We've talked about that you know, quite a bit, and that was for the male. But when he gets to the woman, he doesn't skip over her in any way. He, he doesn't take any shortcuts with her either. But literally what happens is uh, after he has already made man, he takes the, the rib from Adam and with his own hands, again, he, he forms woman exactly how she's meant to be as well. And so uh, the, the woman is just as important, just as special to God uh, as, as the man is. We find that uh, in, in the Scriptures as well. Actually, verse 19, too, it kind of sets us up for the fact that God's going to make uh, her with his own hands because we see in verse 19, out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field. It, it reminds us that he spoke every, uh, every one of them into existence but then we get down to that very personal creation of the woman. It shows that, um, that he, she was handmade as well. <clears throat> I don't know if I have a... All right. Now, this brings us to the first uh, surgery as we, uh, as we think about this. The first surgery, uh, we'll find that here in these verses. First of all, we see that God put Adam into a deep sleep there in verse 21. It says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. That was the first, uh, what do they call that, anesthesia that was ever given, right? <laughs> God, uh, God put him into a deep sleep. All right? He knew Adam wasn't going to go through that, uh, going to take that pain on himself. So he put him into deep sleep, all right? Now it says, The Lord removed one of Adam's ribs and then closed him back up. I mean, this is a surgical procedure. It says, uh, it says there, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. So he took the rib out, and then he replaced where that rib was. He, he, he just kind of sewed him all back up, mended him all back together, uh, just like a surgeon would do. Except when God got through, I'm sure there wasn't a scar. Right? It's perfect. And, uh, but he took that rib out. We find that the Creator took the rib that He had removed from Adam and He made it into a woman and brought her to Adam. In verse 22, it says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, uh, He made a woman and brought her unto the man. And she's been a pain in His side ever since. Some of you already read that, haven't you? Now, I want you to think of it this way, okay? When God created the woman, something was missing from the man. When he, when he went and created the woman, something was missing from the man. What was missing? His rib was, right. Part of him was gone. A piece of him was, was missing. All right, and so he takes that rib and he, he forms woman. But God brought them back together. It says, uh, it says there, what was that verse... Uh, 22, at the very end of verse 22, it says that he made a woman and brought her to the man. So he reunited them. That rib that was, 
that was once there in his body was now, uh, you know, a living, breathing being, and they were finally brought back together. They were reunited, and they became one again, as we find in these verses. The same is true with marriage today. Uh, Something is missing from the lives of both man and woman until they find the person that God has made for them and are finally united in marriage. And any of us, you know, we may not have realized it before, uh, you know, before our marriage took place. We may not have realized that we were incomplete or that something was missing. Uh, You know, that that may never never stuck up in our minds. But now that that we've been married, you know, just to think about that other part of us being gone, you know, it, it it makes us realize how incomplete we were without the other person. And, uh, and so that is very true. Uh, basically, you know, I really believe from the bottom of my heart, I believe that God has uh, a man for every woman, and I believe he's got a, a woman for every man. Uh, people that, that he made specially to, to be together and to go together and unite uh, in marriage. And so uh, really what marriage is, is, is uh, those, those pieces finally coming back together and, uh, and becoming one again. That leads us to the, uh, the last little thing here that we find in these verses is that she is the rest of him. And I hope that will make a little bit more sense as we go on. She is the rest of him. One of the definitions for me, still focusing on that word there, one of the definitions for me is that which is opposite. Now we said, when we looked at meat the first time, we said, that the word meat means that she was comparable to him, meaning that she was like him. She was a, a creation like he was uh, in the same kind. Uh, but now we can look at this word again, and we can also consider the fact that the word meat means that which is opposite. There is no surprise to the fact that men and women are different, right? We are, in just about every way. Uh, we think differently, we speak differently, we act differently, and we view the world differently. Uh, we had a little class here the other day, the school did, and uh, it was just, just during the daytime, and this lady came and she taught it, it was uh, you know, for homeschoolers and all that, and uh, so I went in and I sat in the class, uh, b- before when she was getting set up, we were supposed to have it out here in the sanctuary, everything that we need is here, we've got the projector, we've got the seats, and you know, all that kind of stuff, it, it was already here for her. But when she came, she looked at the sanctuary, she said, no, it's too big. And, and she decided, she went back and she looked at one of the classrooms, and she decided she was going to set up in the classroom. Her reason for that was because it was warm and cozy. And I was thinking, warm and cozy? I've thought a lot about those classrooms that warm and cozy never came to mind, right? Now, for men, we would have just got in here and did it. I mean, we have all the stuff. It's ready to go. We, we, who cares about warm and cozy, you know? But, but they wanted something that I guess would, I don't, still really don't know what that means, but I'm guessing it meant that they could all be closer together and have a better conversation. I, don't, I really don't know what she was talking about. And we're made differently. We think differently. Uh, I've read a lot of books and I've done a lot of studying on the differences between the way that women think and the way that men think. And because women and men think differently, they also speak differently and, and uh, they, they take things differently. They view the world uh, in a different way, as I'm saying here. And so there are a lot of differences between men and women. Uh, that's actually a very interesting study. could solve a lot of communication problems in your marriage as well if you understand that 
the reason why your husband only answers with a couple of words after you ask him a question is because that's all he's got on his mind. We, I've talked about this with some people and uh, you know several in, in marriage counseling, uh, but I, I've said to the wives, you know, uh, have you ever asked your husband, "Honey, what are you thinking?" And he said nothing. And you thought he was keeping a secret from you. I said, no, 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 don't get mad at him because he was probably actually thinking nothing. We can do that. Women, can you do that? Very, very seldomly, right? Uh, Usually your minds are always busy, your minds are always going. So we, we are different, we're made differently. Now we're alike in the fact that we're the same kind, but we're also quite the opposite of one another, and that's a good thing. We are in every way each other's counterparts. Nikki and I have been married for 11 years. We've grown a lot since then. Don't laugh at that. Can't say I do miss my hair. I was thinking about uh, this and just the fact that uh, you know, Nikki and I are, we do have a lot of things in common. Uh, it was those things in common that, that drew us to one another. But the more we've gotten to know about each other, the more we realize that there's a lot of things that are different about us. I have a lot of strengths, but I have many weaknesses as well. And the same is true with her. She has many strengths, and she also has many weaknesses. And you could say uh, that the weaknesses that, that I have uh, makes me incomplete. Those are the things that are incomplete about me, and, and the same for her. And, uh, and when God brought us together, uh, you know, as we begin to grow and, and know more about each other, we begin to realize that uh, many of the things that I'm strong, were the places where I'm strong are the places where she's weak. And many of the places where, she, uh, where, where she's strong is where I'm weak. And so together, you know, we, we both have our weaknesses, but together as one we're able to be strong as, as a unit, as, as a couple. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, being together, we're able to strengthen one another, and really essentially we're able to become, both become the person that God wants us to be. And I know that process is only going to strengthen and get better as time goes on. I was thinking about the fact that um, I am very organized, and Nikki is very organized. I am also very unorganized, and Nikki is also very unorganized. I know that may sound strange, but it's true. The places where I am organized, she is not. (laughs) I'm the kind that I, I want to be on time. Everything that I do, if you'll notice, I mean, I'm watching the clock. When it hits 7.00, if it's 7.01 and we haven't started yet, I'm antsy, you know. Or, or if I'm supposed to be somewhere, if I'm supposed to be there at a certain time, I'm usually at least 15 to 20, and Nikki will tell you sometimes 30 minutes early, uh, because I do not want to be late. Uh, if I'm supposed to be somewhere at 8 o'clock, that doesn't mean I show up at 8 o'clock, right? She, if she's supposed to be somewhere at 8 o'clock, that means she leaves the house at 8 o'clock, right? She's on her way at 8 o'clock, and that makes her on time. And, uh, you know, that's something that we struggle with quite a bit, you know, when we first got married. On the other hand, uh, I'm very unorganized when it comes to being tidy. I'm, I'm actually quite a messy person, 
And uh, Nikki is very tidy. She, you know, she loves things to be uh, in order and be, you know, be clean and things like that. Uh, my desk drives her crazy. As a matter of fact, um, she came in my office today and she said, "Hey, you need to get this desk cleaned up. It's getting kind of messy here." And uh, I could tell you, without a doubt, if if I don't get around to cleaning that desk within the next week or so, I'm going to come in one day and I'm going to know where anything is because she's going to go in there and she's going to clean it up for me. And uh, you know, she so where I where I'm not organized, she is, and and so we're just able to complement each other and work together as one. And and so you know, our strengths, our weaknesses are able to become our strengths with one another. And that's what I mean by the fact that she is the rest of him. See, when God made Adam. He was incomplete. That's not to say that God made any kind of mistake or anything. Man was exactly what God intended for him to be and exactly what he created for him to be. In fact, I believe that the space of time between man and woman's creation was to emphasize how important she is to him and how important marriage is to all. Uh, it showed him that, that he was alone, that he, he couldn't do it by himself, that uh, you know, he, he wasn't complete uh, in, in and of himself, and he needed someone else. And so God gave him a wife. Something was missing from his life. So we find that woman was not only the helper of man, but, but essentially she was the completion of him as well. We find that Adam accepted her as, as such in verse uh, 23. It says there in verse 23, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam said, again, just reading what he said, he said, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, meaning that he accepted her as, as the completion of him, as, as part of him. Uh, he looked at her as being his own bones and his own body. Uh, they were one. The first marriage is the perfect example of how all marriages should be. Uh, husband and wife are to find companionship, compassion, and completion in each other. There in verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And what a joy and fulfillment so many are missing out on. Now I say that in, in a couple ways, because there are those who refuse to get married, who are not looking for marriage, and that's okay. I mean, that's, that's their choice. Um, you know, if they if they don't want to get married, of course, then there's some who, you know, maybe try to act like or live like they're married, but but don't want to actually get married. And I would say that that would be a problem. But you know, there there are several who won't be married, uh, you know, and and several who don't want to be married. But I would say that that even even then, they're missing out on uh, some of the most you know important uh, and closest relationships that we have on earth. But I also say in another way that there are many people who are married, who have already had a wedding, they're, they're in the marriage, but are missing out on, on the joy and the fulfillment of, uh, of what marriage is supposed to be. They're so busy fighting with each other and, and at each other's throats and, and things like that all the time that they, they miss the joy uh, and the relationship of what marriage is actually supposed to be. And that's why it's so important just to, uh, to continue working on the marriage and and uh, continue trying to, uh, to make it better and grow, always being, uh, growing closer to one another. Now, when we understand what it means for the woman to be a helpmeet to her husband, it adds so much perspective to the marriage. 
uh, one of the topics that I teach in marriage counseling uh, is know your role. And I do this for premarital and I also do it for marriage counseling. I, I think it's very important uh, to know your role. And uh, the purpose of that is to define the expectations, the responsibilities, and the importance of both husband and wife in the marriage. Knowing what your role is in the marriage is, is not putting one uh, above and one beneath. It's just knowing what is your position, what is your job in the marriage, what are you, what are you responsible for, and, uh, and being able to go through that. Uh, I'll, I'll use this as an example. The Bible outlines the fact that the husband is to be the spiritual leader of the home. If the husband is not the spirit, if he does not take charge, if he is not the spiritual leader of the home, it's going to cause problems. Why? Because then his responsibility, another one of his responsibilities, is going to fall on the wife, and, and now she has to, to take up the slack and be the spiritual leader. And so that's going to cause friction. It's going to cause a, a loss of respect there. And, uh, and those types of things are going to happen. So when we all know what our different roles are in the home, when, when the man is the leader of the home, he's a spiritual leader, uh, you know, he, he, he takes leadership in the house and is what he's supposed to be, and when the wife knows and understands her role in the marriage as well, then they're able to, to really enjoy and, uh, and have a smooth and healthy marriage. Now, of course, every marriage is going to hit bumps, but you know, knowing what each person's role is, what their responsibilities are, uh, it's so important in each marriage. When we learn what roles God has created us to fulfill in marriage and apply them, it does make such a difference. Remember, last thing I want to say here, remember that you were made to complete your spouse and vice versa. They were made to complete you. And as one, or, you know, as you come together, you're able to function and to, to live as, as one being, as one couple. Any questions, any comments about anything that we've uh, talked about tonight? Anything about some of you that's, that's been married for a while? All right. Well, there is a lot to look at there. Um, just in that first marriage, and it, it sets such an outline, um, you know, such a, a standard for what every marriage is supposed to be. Uh, when, you, when you begin looking in your marriage and wondering, you know, is, are things working out the way they're supposed to be? Or are things happening the way they're supposed to be? Am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing in the marriage? Is she doing what she's supposed to be doing? Um, go back to that first marriage and, and look and just consider how God put those things together. I also like what uh, Jesus said one time in his teaching. Uh, he talked about the fact, he, he was, I believe he was talking to the Pharisees, and he said, uh, do you not remember where the scripture says uh, that he made them male and female? And uh, it talks about the marriage and the unity that, that they received you know, there with one another. And a little bit later he says, let no man uh, put asunder what, what God has joined together. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, that ought to be uh, the motto or a motto for our marriage as well, that nothing is going to separate uh, what God is doing together in our marriages.